Hey, everybody. I'm Kelly Ellers. I'm Jeffrey Lennon. And this is Volume Up by The Tees. So we're here. It's my favorite time of year. How about you in sunny, warm, non-fall calorie California? Yeah, I was going to say, <laughs> what time of year is it? Because I know that we're technically in fall. And yeah, I mean, it's not super chilly, although there's like a whatever. The Bay Area has a little bit of crispness in the air. Yeah, that's true. The fog lifts differently. But I'm already seeing holiday (laughs) stuff, which is why I'm saying, is it really fall? Because I feel like we're careening towards the end of year holidays. But it's a beautiful time. It's a beautiful time. So, you know, there was an interesting article from our friends over at the Coverture, and it was all about hair color aura reading. I have never had anything red per se. Tarot cards such and such, whatever, have you? I have, and I've regretted it. So that's surprising to me. I feel like you would have been down for it. But anyway, we we won't go there yet. I feel like I am, but anyway. For another podcast. Maybe this time, this is speaking to me. So there was an article titled, I consulted a vibrational beautician, and here's what went down. Right? That's a a headline. That's a a headline. Mm -hmm. Anyway, there is a stylist named Roxy Darling, and... If you're wondering what a vibrational beautician is, I am. it is somebody who specializes in considering how the aura changes when we change the way our hair looks. So she is a Hudson, New York-based hairstylist, and she explains it this way. When we change the way we look, we send a different vibrational message to those around us, which I've got to believe there's truth to that, right? Yeah. Like you're looking good, you're feeling good, like you're putting out the vibes, okay? This makes sense. Uh-huh. So when it comes to the mind-body connection, we tend to overlook our hair, but it's a critical piece of the puzzle. I mean, to me, it's like the piece of the puzzle. Well, you know, we're kind of in the biz. Yep, but anyway, yep, yep. Um, the idea of adding an auric element to your hair came to her in 2014. And she was, in her words, groomed to be a great colorist. She was doing celebrity work, but it just was not feeding her soul. In fact, she said it was sucking her soul. So. Ooh. She really believes that everything we experience comes through our hair the same way that our organs process what we put in our body and comes out in our hair, skin, nails, etc. And so I think, Roxy Darling, we shall extend a formal invite for Jeffrey and I on the pod because we would like to understand what aura we need to be putting out with our hair. It was really interesting article because I do believe, you know, face framing, lightning, different hair. I mean, it all works with our tones, mm-hmm. but to put it differently, you know, again, we're sending out different vibrations by how we look. So there you go. Fascinating. Wow. Spooky. Is it? I'm we? all of the things <laughs> I'm shook by this and very, very peaked. So yeah, mm-hmm. Roxy, come on down to the podcast. We want to talk to yeah. you. I want to see if my hair is vibrating optimally i mean but you're so i don't have any right you know she was like i'm really feeling like some green i would be like well no vibrations given for me then because it's never going to be green but you on the other hand i feel like would do it there's an opportunity okay yeah yeah yeah. might be the better candidate for the reading but anyway okay we'll see official invite extended we will tell our fabulous producer that she is requested here on the pod absolutely and speaking of, <laughs> on our last episode, we talked with Kelly Tomlinson Pollock. After completing a bachelor's degree in communications, she went straight to work for burlesque legend Dita Von Teese. In 2010, she was hired to work at the prestigious Starworks Artists Agency, 
which represented the best of the best in beauty artists at the time. She spent the next few years honing her skills as an agent and developing a sharp eye for talent. In the fall of 2013, Kelly and her soon-to-be husband, Benjamin Pollock, launched Tomlinson Management Group, representing a handful of hairstylists, makeup artists, and wardrobe stylists. Today, kudos, it is a multi-million dollar corporation with a reputation as one of the most respected agencies for freelance beauty artists offering those artists a personalized management experience unrivaled in the industry. I love that for them, right? Digging into it. Love that for them. She's got some big talent and we really got into it. So we hope you guys like that episode. Get into it if you haven't listened. Get into it. But make sure you subscribe, rate and review and follow us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube and TikTok at Read the Tease and send in questions to volume up at thetease.com. This week, we're talking to Kia Neal, a stylist whose passion for color and texture is unmatched with over 28 years of experience. Kia Neal leads a national revolution, breaking textural boundaries that have long separated those in the hair industry. Kia's passion for hair color and education led to the conception of Color Culture, an educational resource for stylists who are particularly interested in the science of hair color and how it interacts with various hair textures. Kia launched her cornerstone education series, Texture Versus Race, at the Energizing Summit hosted by the American Board of Certified Hair Colorists, which has since become a nationwide movement with a summit of its very own. Texture versus Race has amassed the support of top industry influences, including but not limited to the American Board of Certified Hair Colorists. Through the evolution of Texture versus Race and her reparations movement, Kia is at the helm of the salon industry's diversity and inclusion movement, encouraging uncomfortable conversations surrounding race and hair texture. Now, Kia acts as a color educator, texture expert, and DEI consultant, working to create a more inclusive and understanding industry. The fourth annual Texture vs. Race Summit tackles the salon industry's long-standing textural discrimination and favoritism towards straight hair through hands-on education and anti-racism coaching. Each year, hopeful stylists graduate from beauty school with a standardized education that leaves them wholly unprepared and undereducated to serve a rapidly diversifying clientele. The Texture versus Race Summit, hosted by salon industry DEI consultant and color educator Kia Neal, offers education on cutting, coloring, and styling all hair textures. We get into all of it with Kia. You're not going to want to miss our chat. So on that same sort of vein, right, we're talking about the lack of education around textured hair, favoritism towards straight hair, Mm -hmm. through hands-on education that's happening now. So there's another story in the news over at Yahoo Life, and Actress Storm Reed is now the unofficial face of New Hair, New Me. And the Euphoria star has been outwardly vocal about the lack of inclusivity on hair and makeup sets and also speaks candidly about the realities of dealing with her natural hair after doing a big chop. So she debuted the big chop Mm -hmm. and she said, you know what? I was terrified, but I've always wanted to do this. I've bleached my hair. I've cut my hair. And thankfully, she has had a well-equipped personal team to manage her high-maintenance style. But not everybody has that personal team, right, Jeffrey, that Storm Reid has. And, (sighs) you know, it's interesting because we're also seeing some stories come out of New York Fashion Week. We're a couple of weeks, a month removed now. And there have been several Black models that came forward after New York Fashion Week about mistreatment backstage. So, Mm -hmm. hello, it's 2022. The fashion industry still hasn't solved an issue that's been present for far too long. A soapbox that you and I are squarely on and the editors at the tease, but that there is limited representation across every level of fashion, including beauty, hair, nails, all of those sort of ancillary services to the main event, if you will. And so, Mm -hmm. again, 
a handful of models have come forward for LA-based model Taylor Larzo. She walked in five shows at New York Fashion Week. Some were the most traumatic for her ever. Mm. She took to social. Some other models are taking to TikTok to basically depict non-Black hairstylists trying to pull out their hair in an attempt to attach synthetic ponytails, you know, over-treating and mistreating the hair. And the before and afters are brutally shocking. So Larzo added, you know, it feels like they want our skin and the outfits, but they don't want all of us. And holy smokes, 2022, right? Yeah. I mean, it seems like a crime that this is still happening. I know. Um, I mean, obviously, we've been talking about it on the tease, and we've had plenty of stylists coming through to talk about how much of an issue this is in terms of stylists not being prepared to work with all hair textures, yeah. which is why we are so excited about today's interview, right. because Kia Neal has really been making a difference in getting education out there to stylists who are wanting it, um, because it is so desperately needed. Um, hopefully in the future, we're not going to be seeing stories like this, but honest to God, I'm excited that platforms like TikTok and Instagram stories exist because we're bringing attention to this issue, which continues to limp along. Um, we got to do better. So, you know, we're sorry to see that this is happening. Um, excited to be part of the change. I agree. I mean, I think the hard truth is, is that the industry is that many black hairstylists or makeup artists are saying are overbooked or unknown, right? Mm -hmm. So things like the texture versus race hair summit, hopefully pulling some of these incredible talented makeup artists, hairstylists out. So, Hey, we're not just serving the A-list clientele, right? Like Storm Reed, mm -hmm. we're serving everyone in the same way. Mm -hmm. So that is our continuation of let's make some change in the industry here, folks. All right. Now let's talk about what's trending on our site. Our editorial team has been hard at work this week, uncovering industry news and looking into trends and diving into brands that you don't know, but you should definitely know. Here are some of our favorite headlines. First up, the freehand haircut is taking over TikTok. If you've been on TikTok recently, then you've probably already been aware of the viral trend known as the, quote, freehand haircut, end quote. There's nothing new about it. What is new is that more and more people are embracing it. Head over to tease.com to learn more about this trend and maybe start trying it out with your clients if you haven't already. Kelly, I know that you watch some of these videos. Yeah. Does this technique make you nervous? <laughs> because it does for me. I don't know. I mean, it's interesting because when you, for example, get your new extensions put in, like a fresh new mm -hmm. hair or whatever we're calling it, there is a lot of freehand cutting involved. And so you've got the extensions and you're like, whoops, that looks like a lot. <laughs> we just put that in and we're taking it back out. Um, but it always seems to work out. Mm -hmm. And so I am fully trusting, for example, my stylist with this technique. Okay. All right. Well, we love that for you. Um, I'm glad that you're so trusting. I I feel like if I don't see what's happening, I'm in a better mm. place. Um, but watching, yeah. you know, going through that that hashtag was, was <laughs> eye opening for me. Uh, but go over to the tease.com, read that article. All right. Next up, Maven's Brittany Johnson shares her expert wig shopping tips. While wigs are such a fun and easy way to try out a new look, the reality is that finding the perfect one to meet your needs can be somewhat of a difficult process, especially for a beginner. With so many different options available, from lace fronts to ready-to-wear options that are synthetic, it's very easy to get overwhelmed while wig shopping, particularly while doing so online. 
That's why we tapped licensed hairstylist and senior content manager for Maven, Brittany Johnson, to give a full rundown on everything you need to know when shopping for the perfect wig. Head to thetees.com to read her expert tips, which will help you go from newbie to pro and make the wig buying process an absolute breeze. Spoiler, part of that involves consulting with your stylist. Uh So we didn't leave you out there. (laughs) Um, Kelly, I learned a lot in this article. Yeah. Um, One thing being that you should know your head measurements. Um, Mm. And I got to tell you, I've not ever measured my head. Hmm. but I've always wondered if it's big or if it's small. So this article is making me think that I got to break out the tape measurer. Um, so that's that's a, a development. Um, <laughs> have you ever measured your head? No. Yeah, I know that I unfortunately have a very large head. And I it's like sort of one of those things that you don't just come out and say at a party. I mean, and so. Well, here we are. Here we are with all of our <laughs> friends. And so I think the reason that I know that because I had to put on a helmet for something once and they were like, mm whoa whoa and they got like the biggest helmet Mm. that like we were with some friends and this guy was like six four and he was wearing the same size helmet as me wow and so from that day on a complex ensued i say well i didn't mean to trigger you because i am not six four no you're not yeah um you're not no um but again i feel like this was something (laughs) i didn't know but it makes total sense that especially if you're buying online like you should check those dimensions know what your own dimensions are but a million Mm -hmm. more tips over on the tease.com read that article (laughs) i think that it's going to be very illuminating and last but not least we were just talking about fashion week fashion month uh, we got a story on this tease.com about Zendaya. Uh, get Zendaya's Paris Fashion Week glam from celeb makeup artist Sheikah Daly. Shocking literally no one, Zendaya turned it out at Paris for the spring-summer 23 Valentino show. And we're not just talking about the crystallized bodysuit and hot pants combo, which, like, of course, she can do that. Um, she gave face, thanks to celebrity makeup artist Sheikah Daly. And if you're feeling inspired, you can get the look straight from her utilizing Lancome products as to be expected. Zendaya is a brand ambassador. The question really is, if you want the whole look, go to the teats.com. Kelly, can Zendaya do wrong? Not at all. No. I mean, no hesitation. I think it's probably rare to just sort of like, you know, saunter into an all sequins Valentino bodysuit, mm-hmm. if you will. Mm-hmm. But she's flawless at every Every time, hair, makeup, fashion. I mean, she does no wrong. Truly. Sorry, no wrong. Truly. Mm -mm. We stand. We stand here on this podcast (laughs) um, and on thetees.com. All right. As always, so much going on over on the Tees. Thank you to our hardworking editors. We're proud to publish stories that salon pros and consumers care about. A stylist whose passion for color and texture is unmatched with over 28 years of experience, Kia Neal leads a national revolution, breaking textural boundaries that have long separated those in the hair industry. Kia's passion for hair color and education led to the conception of Color Culture, an educational resource for stylists who are particularly interested in the science of hair color and how it interacts with various hair textures. Kia launched her cornerstone education series, Texture Versus Race, at the American Board of Certified Hair Colorists which has since become a nationwide movement with a summit of its very own. Through the evolution of texture versus race in a reparations movement, Kia is at the helm of the salon industry's diversity and inclusion movement, encouraging uncomfortable conversations surrounding race and hair texture. Now, Kia acts as a color educator, texture expert, and DEI consultant, working to create a more inclusive and understanding industry. 
The fourth annual Texture versus Race Summit tackles the salon industry's long-standing textural discrimination and favoritism towards straight hair through hands-on education and anti-racism coaching. Each year, hopeful stylists graduate from beauty school with a standardized education that leaves them wholly unprepared and undereducated to serve a rapidly diversifying clientele. The Texture versus Race Summit, hosted by salon industry DEI consultant and color educator Kia Neal, offers education on cutting, coloring, and styling all hair textures. Kia, welcome to the Volume Up podcast. We are so happy to have you. Let's let people know you are calling in from somewhere special. Could you could you let the, the listeners know where we're at? I am in Paris, France, and I'm here for Paris Fashion Week, and I'm doing research on diversity and inclusion in Europe. Ugh. All right. Well, we are jealous as hell. Let's be very clear. Enjoy yourself while you're out there. We cannot wait. I mean, this is going to be airing <laughs> after the fact. So you're going to have to crawl back through her Instagram and see what she was up to. Um, big things, y'all. Big things. Uh, but let's get into it, Kia. If you wouldn't mind, let's start at the beginning. Tell us about yourself. How did you get to the hair industry? Interesting enough, uh, Jeffrey, this is such a story that I tell. And I, I just started telling this story recently that, you know, I didn't love hair at first. Like I was not. I, I was not, I don't have the big, I was, you know, a, a stylist at five and I <laughs> knew I wanted to, and I cut my dolls and styled them. That was not my story. Okay. And it All seems right. like it's a big letdown when I say that, but it no. only leads to what it has lent to the purpose. It just shows you that sometimes you can still walk out your purpose, even if you didn't actually know mm. how it was going to go from the beginning. I actually went to college first for journalism. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I love journalism. I love writing. I love uh, journaling. I loved advertising and public relations was a part of it. And I did that for a couple of years and I was like, uh, I don't think I want to go to college, but I didn't know what I actually wanted to do. Okay. Uh, I have to say that my mom is, is the original diva in my life. Like she's hair and makeup and has been since day one. So I think I thought that was normal. So I didn't know that that was a thing. Mm. So it didn't occur to me that the fact that I picked up on hair and makeup cues was a skill or a talent of any sort. Mm. And someone pointed that out. They were like, well, you're good at that. You should do hair. And I'm like, do hair for what? And they were like, do hair like for a living. I'm like, for money? And they were like, yeah. And I'm like, okay, well, I don't want to do this. So no worries. I'll give it a try. And I did. And that's how I ended up at cosmetology school quite frankly someone suggested it <laughs> so that that's amazing um also really appreciate the honesty because we hear a lot of the story that you're mentioning on this podcast where people are like i was playing with barbies i always knew it was like a no-brainer but sometimes it's not like that so all right tell us then about cosmetology school you went to college for a little bit what was the shift like what did you like about cosmetology school because we're going to get into what that whole process is like. Okay. Now that part was where it gets really interesting, where it starts telling its true self, its true story. Mm -hmm. So I was getting my hair done by a stylist who suggested a school by the name of Dudley Cosmetology University. Now Dudley would be uh, what you would know as the Black Vidal Sassoon, right? They were the only Black accredited cosmetology school where they uh, had an advanced program mm -hmm. as well as a basics program. And so they actually had a lot of space in North Carolina, like acreage land 
And so they built the school on the land along with a hotel that doubled as a dormitory mm. and a manufacturing company for their products. Wow. So what ended up happening is people came from all over the globe. Like this was a, a very global institution and it was the only one of its kind. So they said, if you're going to go, you got to go there. And my parents were like, not really in sync with that. They really didn't want me to go to cosmetology school. No, because they thought that that was like most parents do. Like, you're not going to make any money. And, mm -hmm. you know, people that are successful are far and few in between. And what's the likelihood that you'll be like one of those? Yep. And here I am like, yep. <laughs> look at me now. Right. <laughs> so, I'm in Paris, mom. So they thought, well, if you're going to go go someplace with some prestige mm -hmm. that, you know, we can look forward to a successful journey. And so I did. And I went there and I loved it. Um, they, it didn't love me again. I wasn't good. I wasn't coiffed. I didn't have a head start. So I was, I was bad. Hmm. I usually tell people that I sucked. And when I told my mom, I was like, mom, I suck. She's like, she's like, why do you say that? I'm like, cause they told me you suck. <laughs> like they kind of was like, who told you to come to cosmetology school? Like, where did this come from for you? Because I was not, again, this is a global institution. Mm -hmm. There was people there that had skill of professional people in the industry for years. And here I was brand new, no rollers would stay, no amount of timing with the clock. I never beat anything. Uh, it was just, it was just bad at first. It really was. It took me a long time to not feel like, okay, I wanted to leave that too. But I, but what I did love is I was smart mm. and I loved the science of it all. And so they couldn't put me out because I was too smart. I was like one of the smartest people in the class. So it was like, okay, she sucks at doing hair, but she's very uh, she's very attuned to the chemistry. She understands. So I was acing through the book, the theory part. Mm. So it was like, all right, well, maybe she'll be a chemist. <laughs> so, yeah. So eventually I had to double work and double down on mm. it and I had to catch up. So it was a lot of late nights, a lot of peer to peer mentoring. There was a lot of come early, stay late. Yep. There was a lot of chopped up mannequins. God bless their soul. But, you know, there was a lot of casualty mannequins. And eventually I caught up and I was pretty good. By the time I got on the floor, I was pretty good. So then what's some advice that you've got for, for people that are listening to this podcast? Maybe they're in cosmetology school and they're in a similar position of like, they're just not that great. They're like, Maybe they got some of it, but they don't have all of it. Like you've been through that. And obviously you've come out on the other side again. Hello, Paris. Like we're doing big things now. Um, what might you say to them? What, what advice do you have for them to maybe power through? I would say I heard this quote that probably sums it up for me in over the past few years, but I use it when I think about my journey and it's hard work beats talent when talent doesn't want to work hard. Mm. And what that means is there are a lot of people that I started with that are not actively doing hair mm. that didn't maybe take it as serious as me because they just had a natural talent and an innate ability to do hair. So they didn't necessarily push as hard as me. Mm. So I would say you can cultivate a skill if you really want to. You absolutely can. I don't believe that you have to be natural at anything. I believe mm. that. Hard work can outwork talent. Uh, well, we're going to get into that theme later because <laughs> there's a lot of through line there uh, in terms of working at stuff. Um, and there's plenty of work to be done 
we're going to get into it. But let's talk a little bit about what you mentioned in terms of peer-to-peer mentorship. Um, were there peers, were there other more established figures in the industry that you looked to as mentors? And do you think that mentorship is important as part of the cultivation of skills? Mentorship is mandatory. Mm. You know, you must have someone to look to, someone who has a vested interest in your advancement. Mm-hmm. Um, when I say peer-to-peer in school, it was the people that were out working me, right? In, you know, at that time, it was, you know, my classmates, my uh, roommates, you know, people that sat up going, girl, please get these finger waves for God's sake. Like, we're ready to go out. Like, <laughs> get it together. Like, we're tired of you failing, right? Um, but then there were other people, teachers, that really that really leaned into me that said, okay, you're smart, so let's, let's work harder to get you there. So there were some key teachers there, but you got to remember, again, you know, Dudley DCU, you know, as we call it, DCU had an advanced program. So as a part of my reward for being in the honors, they allowed me to come to the advanced curriculum on the weekend. So it was like a five-day mm. thing where people, stylists would come from all around the world to learn and we were able to watch and assist and, and, you know, being in the room with greatness, Mm. you become familiar with what it looks like. And it's easy to see and say, I think I like that. I think I want to do that. I I could do that. And we saw things that were much more advanced than us. And I was able to take that back and practice. But what you look upon is what you become. Mm. Right. And all of the cliches, iron sharpens iron. So if I'm if I'm there with people who care and it was this one uh, prof- no, called professor instructor, her name was Irene Parsons. And she used to say, let me tell you something. When I move, you move. If I stop, you stop. If I stop suddenly, you should hit me in the back. Like you should run into my back. And she and she meant that. And she would turn around often and go, you better be right here. Like, so mm-hmm. she wanted me to get it. She wanted all of her students to get it. And no, they didn't let you go until you got it. Mm. And that's important. And even after school, getting into the right salons where people, again, have a vested interest in your success, in your journey, where they continue to mentor and train you and make sure that education is a part of your everyday, you know, everyday journey. You need to always be on the job. There's an on the job training for a a certain amount of time. And people have to know that doing it on your own won't get you there. There has to be some level of mentorship. Mm -hmm. Mentors have to bring someone along and mentees have to want to come along. Mm. Well, I mean, I think that that's really important, the wanting to come along piece. I mean, it's going to be impossible for that mentor to make something happen that somebody doesn't want. But let's talk a little bit about having done some big things, Kia. Um, We're going to be a little bit less humble. Um, What are some of your proudest accomplishments? What are the things that you've learned in your career that you can impart onto some of our listeners here? Oh, some of the things. Okay. So that's a, that's a huge question. Mm -hmm. So let me narrow that down a little bit. So if I had to say some of the most, some of the proudest moments were the most humbled moments of my life. Okay. Right. Because in those moments, I learned the most. Mm. The moments when I was able to say, I remember one moment. I remember when I realized that I was the ultimate assistant. Meaning there wasn't any time I wouldn't lend myself to assist. I didn't mm. care how successful I was a launcher. To this day, 
if someone's doing something and it's fun, I'm like, can I assist you? Can I carry your bags? Can I hold your comb? Can I part <laughs> your hair? Can I shampoo it for you? Can I get your foils? Like, can I cut them? I'll cut them with my teeth. Like, what do I have to do to be around that? Uh-huh. Right. And I realized that early on and that has helped me uh, being humble enough to be at someone else's feet to learn. Um, but I have done some great things. I, but they, like I said, they've come at the helm of, of humility um, and just humbling myself where uh, working in a multicultural salon for the first time, you know, being able to reset myself uh, from South Carolina, which is where I, I resided and I owned a salon for 10 years mm-hmm. and I got married and relocated to Maryland and I started working at a multicultural salon after a couple of years. I landed my first salon was a multicultural salon. And that was huge for me because that was, you know, I was a traditional black stylist with traditional black Mm -hmm. clients. And I did traditional black hair and traditional black services. And here I was in a space that was so unknown to me. And not only did I not know them, but they didn't know me. And we all were uncomfortable. (laughs) But I didn't take any of my decorations in the salon. For whatever reason, I never told them I owned the salon at first. I never told them I was a Mm. platform artist. I never told them about any of my accolades. I didn't take any of that. Like I was 15 years in and I never said anything. I just said I had a license and I wanted to learn. Wow. And I believe that's when my life changed. My vision, my what I was seeing changed. But again, it was on the cusp of a very humbled, humbling experience during that time. So let's get into that vision, Kia, because that's really what we're going to try to get at here because we've got lots to cover. Um, Talk to us about this experience of yours. I mean, you shifted purposefully from being in a traditionally Black salon into taking on multicultural clientele, and you've led the charge in a large way for having everybody do that um, because things have been so incredibly segregated within the hair industry. Uh, so let's, let's talk about it. Um, what is it that you were seeing and what do you want to see? So let me start with what did I see? Mm-hmm. First of all, this is when I realized that the salon was truly segregated. Like I knew that, you know, black people stuck to themselves and, 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 you know, white people did white people, black mm-hmm. people did black people, Dominicans, you know, the, yep. the Asians did, you know, the nails, like everybody had their little part of the industry and we kind of stayed in our corners. Mm-hmm. Right. And I said, oh, my gosh, I was like this. We are really segregated, but I did not know how different the communities were as far as the industry was concerned. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that was the biggest aha when I got there. And my first thought was to educate everybody black and to say, you have no idea what's going on over here. Like we're missing out. Like <laughs> we don't have a clue. You know, we're missing out on these business classes. We're missing out on all of these, you know, uh, promotions. Mm-hmm. We don't get education um, with the brands. We're just not being tapped into. And there was a huge deficiency mm-hmm. and a marginalization that became terribly obvious to me working in that salon. And I was so taken aback. And every time I would act surprised, they were like, well, why are you surprised? And it's like, because I've never heard of this. I've never seen this. I've never experienced this. And all I wanted to do was take all the information back to the Black community. Mm -hmm. And so for me, I was a colorist. Like I wanted to be a colorist, but I wanted to be a color specialist. I wanted to be the Black Beth minority, if you really want to know the truth, right? That's how I, that's what I wanted to be. And so that was the goal. So I wanted to learn everything I could. And 
while I was doing it, I understood that there was also some deficiencies in our curriculum, mm. not just about texture, but just how texture, even in services such as cutting and coloring, were not inclusive at all. Mm -hmm. So the information had an avatar. All of the information was based on the average client, which was a white woman yep. with straight hair, yep. straight or wavy hair, level five to seven, you know, mm -hmm. for sure. Right. So all of the information, the scenarios, the formulations, the, you know, all of that was built upon this avatar. And so when we used that information and plugged it in, we didn't get the same results. And so what that caused is for, and I'm speaking about the black community for color, we didn't do it. Yep. It was the most underutilized service in our community because we didn't have the know-how, but it was not because we couldn't, it was because we weren't taught. We weren't taught how to shift when it comes to, to our fabric, to curlier coils. So while I was learning how to do color, mm -hmm. right, Jeffrey, what I was really learning was how to reframe the information. What I learned was what was missing, mm. all of the bridges. And this is where the intellectual part, the scientist part, mm -hmm. the part that understood the theory at best yep. came back into play. Because now I'm, oh, so if this is this, mm -hmm. then, then that's that. Yep. Okay, so that might apply here, but how do I? So I ran all of the information through a filter to come up with a completely different, but same, just an inclusive curriculum, mm -hmm. which is where the color culture came from. <laughs> now, here's the interesting part about the color culture. I knew that the information was great, right? I knew that. But what I didn't know is that the white community needed that information. I knew that the black community would benefit the most. Mm -hmm. But when I started teaching the curriculum, I gained a multicultural audience very quickly because I realized that the information itself was just not good information. It just wasn't solid and full bodied information. Mm -hmm. I felt like all white people knew how to do color. And then at some point I realized, no, you actually don't. <laughs> <laughs> you're just using seven and 20 on everybody because that's the, <laughs> the formula that you've been passed down, right? So, so yeah, no, no, you don't know it. <laughs> truth be told. Yes, truth be told, people were coming up to me after the show's premiere, IBS, uh, ISSC, and they would say, I had never heard this information like this before. Um, this is stellar information. And I recorded a video called uh, Color Interpretations. Mm. And it was hearing color in a language that you could understand. And that was a, one of my greatest accomplishments as well. And that just, I love that whole moment, that evolution of myself when I realized why I was here. Why was I in the beauty industry? And it, it had to be bigger than just doing hair. It was never just about doing hair. It was always about the education mm. and changing the industry and making an impact. Well, let's get into that. Um, you're making a big impact big impact in a huge way, um, taking education to the masses uh, with the Texture versus Race Summit. So let's get into it. How did this come about? I mean, you talked about being a platform artist. You talked about educating at major shows. Now you're doing something on your own. Um, and this isn't the first year, and we're going to get into that too. But I want to hear from you. How did this come to be? Right. Talk to us about it. Jeffrey, I know I'm slow walking Texture versus Race, but I'm doing that because Texture versus race was not something that I, I don't want to use the word thunk, but okay. it okay. wasn't something that I just thunk up. Sure. It was, 
it was a charge mm. on my heart. It was a heart mission. And it was no longer about uh, science and uh, just education, right? So here's how it all ties in. I'm doing the best I can at color education. I'm traveling mm -hmm. the world with color culture. I'm developing a team because the color culture is my education company, mm -hmm. right? So we're out here killing it. 2015, we launched. We're, we're killing it. Yep. 2017, I'm like, I'm going to go get board certified because you know what? White people love to know that you know what you're talking about. So let me double down on this and get, get certified. their certification. Yep. This is really my mindset. I'm going to go get certified. I'm going to get their certification. The one that makes me a scientist of color, period. Right. So the American Board of Certified Hair Colorists, I go, I get their certification. They're like, oh, my God, this is great. You did so well on the test. They were shocked. They said, why don't you come teach a class? I'm like, yes. I get the email. I'm like, yes. And they go, we want you to teach texture, teach us how to do black people's hair. And that in that moment, it stung. It, it stung. It stung because I had worked so hard to stay out of the proverbial box of, of. black hair, black color, mm -hmm. you know, isolated, you know, exclusive education. I had built a whole platform and a brand around being inclusive of how do you teach color that everybody can make the adjustments based off of professional characteristics of hair. Mm -hmm. But I did not know in that moment that that would jar me so much because it brought me back to a center point that said, no, we're still very segregated. And if you have to teach black hair, then that means they still have not removed race from the table. Yep. We're still having to deal with this elephant in the room. Mm -hmm. And I said to her, I would really love to teach this class. But I do not want to teach black girl color. I, that does not exist in my world. This is about fabric. And she said, you can teach it however you want. But I'm telling you, we are ignorant people when it comes to that. And we want you to do it however you see fit to do it. We just want you to do it. Mm. So I said, I prayed about it. And I sat with paper and pen and I said, God, you're going to have to give me something because I don't know. And to be honest, I don't know if I've ever really said this on any other platform, but hmm. I called a lot of people in the industry. I called um, the, the woman that mentored me into getting the certification. And I said, what do we need? What's missing? You know, who's what class? Where, where can I pick up? You know, how do I? And they give me advice. And I go, oh, no, that's not it. Hmm. I called my ultimate mentor, Mazella Ponte. If you don't know who Mazella Ponte is, you have to research him and, and follow him. He, he has forgotten more color than I know, period. Mm. Okay. Um, Mazelle gave me advice, but it still didn't land. Like I still couldn't, I couldn't, that, that I couldn't take off from there. And I finally just said, you know what? I said, God, you're going to have to help me because I don't know what to teach. I, I can't, uh, I don't know how to. I don't know how to do this because it feels like I'm going backwards mm. to teach black hair. Like the thought of saying black hair was beyond me now. Right. And, and we, God said texture versus race. Is it about a texture or is it about a race? And so I wrote it down. I put it on my wall behind me mm -hmm. and I said, I'm not, I'm not doing that. Like 
that's that's a no. <laughs> I wrote it down and I was like looking at it like, no, I'm not going to bring race into I'm not going to do it. I'm no. not going to guys going. Yes, you are like I couldn't shake it. You know, mm-hmm. you're supposed to do something when you can't shake it like yep. you. It won't leave you. It won't. You know, it, it, you can't even get past it. Like nothing else will come up for you. Like that's that's the point we had to make. And so once I got to where I had to really came down to the wire time wise of writing the outline. Literally, I was arguing with God like I still don't have a curriculum. I don't know what I'm going to teach. And then I started ranting and raving, literally sitting at the computer just like this. And I'm typing, I'm going, this isn't even about, this isn't even about hair. This is about the person in the chat. Like they don't have a problem with the hair. They have a person with us. They have a problem with us. Mm-hmm. And God's like, and that's what you're going to talk about. And I was like, no, nah, I know, I know you lying. <laughs> because that's how God talks to me. Right. I hear it. And I know it's him because it's not me. I, I know I didn't come up with that. Right. And I'm like, I don't I don't want to talk about that. And God's like, yes, we're going to do it. You have to take a class and talk about the social aspect of why we're segregated. How did we get here? Why do we stay here? What do we do to get out of it? That is what you're going to talk about. And I was so scared. Cancel culture is real. Mm-hmm. OK, so now I'm thinking these people are going to. You know, they are going to blacklist me. I'm not coming to any more shows. And I'm like, I got to go to a, a conference with 800 white people and tell them that they're racist and that they contribute to the oppression of black people and that they are choosing not to honor texture because they just don't want to. Mm-hmm. And they are uncomfortable mm-hmm. they, and they don't want to be. They don't want to be uncomfortable. They're comfortable. They don't want to be uncomfortable. They don't want to shift. They don't want to move and they don't want to give and they don't want to be inclusive. And I had to say that. And it was tough. Yeah, it was tough. I cried after my first class. I mean, not like (laughs) not a pretty I'm talking about. I got to go put my makeup back on and cry. Mm. Right. Because the release that I felt. Having that conversation and saying, but why don't you like me? What is it about me? What is it about me that bothers you? And why is my pain not bothering you? Why does my pain not bother you? Let's have a conversation. Let's peel through all of our biases. Let's make a commitment to be uncomfortable in this room and be and let it be a safe space. Mm. And when we started using that language, people started to open up. And they started to respond and they would cry and go, I've always wanted to learn. I've just been so scared. I don't know. My clients are not going to like it. I, you know, I'm scared to bring black, black people around. Like, I don't know what to say. I think I'm going to offend people. Like, I, I you know, I, all the things came up mm-hmm. and we had a moment that weekend. We had a moment like the whole weekend was the moment. And then it turned into a group and then it was like twenty five hundred people within twenty four hours. And then it turned into a summit and we brought people to New Orleans because New Orleans is a melting pot. And we thought about gumbo and how you bring all these different spices, all these different ingredients, and you make something so beautiful and tasty. And so we did it in New Orleans, our very first one. Didn't know what we were doing. Didn't know how it was going to go. Didn't know. We just knew people's heart was drawn to the summit. They mm-hmm. just wanted to be in the building to say, mm-hmm. I'm here for it. How do I move my brick? How do I bring my brick to the table? How do I take my brick off the wall 
and help build the bridge. How do I do that? And that's that's how it started. 2019, 2018. No, wait, wait, wait. No, I got certified in 17. 18, I taught. 19, we did the summit. The first was in 2019. Mm. And it has been a phenomenal space to be in. Scary. Yeah. Scary. Believe it or not, I'm very non-confrontational. People think, oh my God, you got to be kidding me. I am. I am. I do not like confrontation. No, I don't. And I, it takes me a long time to muster up. And then sometimes I just go, just say it, girl. And then I just say it. And then I'm like, here it go. And then I just go, okay, we'll, we'll just deal with it. But I'm actually very non-confrontational. Hmm. So this is new for me. And people don't really realize that. So that's one of the things. If you if you were going to ask me what people don't know, it would be that I'm non-confrontational and I'm actually an introvert that operates in an extrovert space. Mm. Wow. I would never have thought that. Um, and so I'm so glad that we're actually able to talk about this because, I mean, you being as introverted as you are operating in this space have created an incredible opening for our industry to address some stuff that it's just not wanted to deal with. Uh, so, I mean, like you talking about thinking this stuff through back in 2017, there have been some events uh, that have forced the industry of late within the last like two years yes. to make some changes um, long overdue. Um, and there aren't frankly enough people like yourself who are willing to take up this charge and to do something about the changes that still need to be made. Uh, so let's get into that, um, which is this summit that's coming up. What are we taking on? Who's going to be there? How can people get into it? And then we'll talk about uh, some other things. Absolutely. But I, I want to dive back into 20 just for a second. Okay, no, let's do it. That was a pivotal moment. Let's make it happen. Yeah, because because I feel like when you build a ship, right? Yep. And you, you know, Noah built the ark without knowing what was actually going to happen or if anything was yep. going to happen, right? Like I want to, I want to share that. So I believe God allowed me to build the movement first before <laughs> the storm came. Mm -hmm. And boy, did it come! So I was already in the ocean talking, but people weren't necessary. They were hearing me but they weren't listening to me no there were people that were supporting now don't get me wrong yeah 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 yep. but the industry as a whole had not responded they were like oh that's really nice yes thanks yeah we'll get to it yeah right and then george floyd gets murdered mm -hmm. and we're forced yep to see who we are in america yep. period right we have we are forced to watch it over and over and what that did for the industry is it allowed me, it was like a huge wave that came in the middle of the ocean because now I'm just in the ocean, just doing my thing, right? And then here goes this huge wave that just lifts texture versus race up. Mm -hmm. So when people say, I have never heard of you, like they don't understand that we were already there. Yep. It was the rising tide that lifted the ship because we were already in position. Yep. Yep. And I'm grateful for that. I'm grateful for that. Because had I not taken that leap back then, I don't think that my voice would have been as loud in that moment. Mm. So 20 helped to amplify and almost put a megaphone to the movement that was already happening. And I appreciate that. I appreciate 
the conversations that I had. I appreciate the people that tried to have the conversation, even if they were, even if they were wrong, because it was a lot of people that was talking. It was very noisy, but we were talking and that was fine with me. Mm-hmm. We were talking. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I believe that a lot of brands jumped out there just trying to do something. I believe that there's still a lot of work to do, but I believe we've moved the needle. I believe we've moved the needle and I'm proud of that. Mm. I'm proud of that. And I'm proud of all of the work that we've done to create foundational uh, bricks, right? We've created ways for people to be in a journey. Like, where do you start? Then what's next? How does this, you know, we're giving them an order of operations, if you will, (laughs) around diversifying, not just saying you need to learn how to no, we're like, no, 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 let's deal with you first because don't you be out here being a harmful white person, right? And and black people too. What do you how how do you now contribute to the evolution of the industry? So mm. there's a call to action for everyone, right? There's a call to action for everyone. There's a space for all of us to move our brick. And like I said, take it from the wall and to build a bridge. This is what we have to do. So now texture versus race stands in the space of we create safe conversations we facilitate conversations we continue to have classes we continue to offer education for people who want to learn how to do textures they are not familiar with and we're Mm. not beholding to just one person learning how to do this fabric we are attacking all fabrics and we are changing and evolving all curriculum to be inclusive Right. And we're we're saying to people, but your curriculum still isn't inclusive. Okay, you've got a whole other curriculum, but until you see how it plays over here, then you kind of missed it, too. So we're still actively having those conversations. But we've gone into consulting and coaching with brands Mm -hmm. and saying, okay, I see you trying to make an effort to diversify. What do you need to do? Where are you missing the mark? How do you how is your language still not landing well? You know, how do we change the core value of the company? How do we change the company, not just the marketing picks? So we're doing a lot of work. It's a lot of work being done. But Texture versus Race to Summit, baby, 2022 is about to be on and popping. First of all, we've evolved into a team of a collaborative group of educators and artists that are amazing. Black educators Mm. um, that we spotlight. We've been spotlighting all year long. We have amazing brands that are uh, part partnering with us in a major way to bring uh, they get they're giving us resources and they're creating opportunities for more people to hear about us and to know that they're partnering with us so that they have the opportunity to help again move their brick and I'm just really really proud of that it's November 27th through the 29th in Baltimore Maryland we are in a our venue itself sets it off first of all it's a black museum centered around Frederick Douglass's life and it's on the shipyard of Baltimore right on the harbor wow. right overlooking the harbor the whole side is nothing but glass where we look at the water because it was the first shipyard in Baltimore and it was owned by black people wow it was burned down but it was sold by black people, American right? History. And the city sold it back. The city sold it back to um, to more black people for a dollar and they restored it. Wow. And we're using that as our venue. Wow. So that in itself speaks to what we're doing. We're rebuilding. We're rebuilding. And we're adding, we're adding value to it. So there's that. Um, 
our education is going to be a little bit different. Our first day is going to be more about DEI. We're going to create awesome opportunities and activities, not just, but activities to really work out our kinks about our biases and mm. you know stereotypes and what would you do and how would you handle or have you ever and you know all those little things so it's going to be fun but it's going to be impactful mm. right because we want you to be uncomfortable we want you we want you to to go there but we want to give you moments where you can unclench your butt cheeks and yeah. take a breath well as <laughs> you keep saying back. to like you pick know, up that, that pick it. up that brick right and build that bridge and that's how you do it by making people feel like they're able to do so so i mean i love that you're empowering people in this way and they have to be able to do so. yeah yeah we have a soiree we are uh allowing the brands that are going to do uh different presentations mm. right so they're going to have their presentations the first day we're getting all of that out of the way i hate to say out of the way but because the second and the third day right once we do all the showy the lights the actions <laughs> and all of that great stuff right the prizes the you know all of that's the first day. But the second day is when we get hands in, hands on, mm. heart in, right? Minds change. This is where we bring fabric and community together. This is where we open your mind, we change your heart, and we move your hands. Mm. And in that order, Ooh. that's what we're doing. Yeah. Oh, what a pitch. Yeah. Um, all right. How can people get ticks? Let's let them know where are we linking out to. How can they get tickets to the event? Textureversusrace.com. Easy. I mean, you can't you can't miss. Or you can just go to my Instagram and go to the link in my bio. Is link in bio. Right there. Click the link, bam, mm -hmm. and keep going. Listen, I want to see people there because this is about to be insane. Insane. Speaking of insane, you're making it. It's the biggest one yet. It's the biggest one. We've got a lot to celebrate. It's in Baltimore, which shout out to Baltimore. Love that hometown. Um, you are making this insanely easy for people too. There is a payment plan. So there's really no excuse. Y'all can make this happen. You guys are making it very easy for everyone. And you go to picturevsrace.com. <laughs> like the come on. Links in bios. We'll sh we'll link in the show notes. Look, if you gotta do afterpay, do afterpay like too easy for you to do things now. You know what I mean? Like this is just too easy. But can I tell you there's scholarship opportunity as well? Oof, okay. I cannot explain how excited we are. Um, Kia, thank you for all that you've done. Um, I don't want to understate. I know that it's been a team, but you've really been spearheading a lot of this um, and the industry is better for it. So we're not done yet. We're going to do our quick takes, but I just want it to be on the record that this is something we all need to get behind. Um, and there should be a million more texture versus race summits. This is just one bridge. There's plenty more. And we thank you for, for making this happen for, for so many of us. Thank you so much for that. And I just want to add just really, really quick that there's never one voice. One voice can't do it. Nope. And I just want to shout out all the people who have been speaking, who have come before me and who's working alongside me right now to continue to push this movement and push the narrative in their own spaces mm -hmm. and their own through their own vessels and with their own resources. So shout out to them. Shout out. All right, let's do our quick takes. These are the questions that we ask all of our guests and we would not okay. be able to close out a proper episode without doing this with you. And you're in Paris. So I'm hoping that it's late enough that you're just like 
free association. We roll through it. All right. And then we wrap. Let's go. The first thing, and you've dropped a bunch of quotes that are really good that I'm <laughs> logging away mentally. We're going to have them for later. But what is a quote that you love right now? Just one. While you pray, move your feet. John Lewis. Good one. Yeah, yeah. And I'm so glad that came to me just that quick because I say it all the time. Like, you can wish for anything. You can keep hoping. But yeah, while you pray, move your feet. Move your feet. Do something. Ugh. All right. In the spirit of that, this is maybe a little bit less serious, um, but moving towards something. What was the last thing that you Googled? That I could what? That you Googled. Your last Google search. Vintage consignment and patty. Yes, of oh, course. God, I'm so jealous. I'm so jealous. <laughs> Y'all don't know, but there's some bags there, and we are supporting Kia for for wreaking havoc in Paris. I am making the most of the vintage shopping. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Look, on this podcast, we often remark, but we didn't get into it with you, so we're gonna do it now. Um, cringy trends. We've you know experimented with our hair and our makeup. We like to do things. That's what this industry is about. So, is there a trend? that you look back on now and get major cringe or are you just rolling with it? You're fine with all of your, your different eras. Okay. So back in my era, it would be the Jerry curl for me. That was, that was that, that tore a hole in my life. <laughs> the Jerry curl. I understand it was kind of necessary at the time, right? It was, it was a good side, but yeah, the Jerry curl. Um, I think, you know what I you know what I did black eye black lip liner. Oh. I think I look back on that and think that was cringy. That's tough. Um yeah. and I and I absolutely still still will die on a hill. I hate actively really dark eyebrows that look like gargamel and big, 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 big lashes that look like they could fan me. I I no, I'm not with that. Okay. I love long, luxurious eyelashes, sure. but the ones that but look no- like fans are too much. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> you really you really just laying people out. Um don't do that if you want to impress Kia. Basically. Love y'all. <laughs> <laughs> I'll love you right, anyway. Well, I'm gonna yeah. love you anyway and I'm yes, gonna back exactly. up. I'm gonna be like, yep. girl. Yeah, you don't want <laughs> but I yeah, love you. I got you. Yep, yep. <laughs> okay, so this might be for those people. Um, what is one thing that you would change about your daily routine? Basically, you just said don't put on the fan lashes for for all those listeners that are doing that. But for you, what is maybe something you would change about your daily routine? I, for one, drink way too much coffee. I know I should put the brakes on that last cup. I wish I could. I wish I could be motivated to work out every day mm-hmm. or at least three to four times a week and drink more water. I feel you. I feel you. <sighs> Yeah, the water I find like it's a little bit easier for me. The the working out part is that's tough. The motivation that working know? out part. I wake up to my computer and I go to sleep almost with too. it too sometimes. Yep. So you know, but I wish I could be. I wish I was one of those people that just got up every day like I'm just gonna go take a long walk and start my day. Yay! <laughs> Not me. Not me either. Don't worry. Okay, what is the animal that you are most like? Mm. Oh, that's a good question. Oh my gosh. Um, I want to say a giraffe. Okay. I think my vision is very high. My vision sometimes. Yes. People can't get with my vision because Uh I'm so high up. They're not on your level. That when I look, I can look, I can look far. I can look far. So I feel like I'm way up here looking afar and it's almost, I almost can't understand 
people that are operating down here. And I know they can't understand me either. Mm. So there's always this Mm. disconnect because I'm always way over there. Yeah, I'm always light years ahead. So I feel like a giraffe. That was a good one. That was deep. We got deep real quick in a quick take. Okay. Last question. What is one, look, we're product junkies. Mm-hmm. So what is one product that you yourself cannot live without? Hair, beauty, whatever it is. What is one? One product, like highlighter. I, I have fallen in love with a highlighter. Somebody gave me one once in about four years ago, four or five years ago. And I'm like ridiculously, in, like I could drown in it. I love a good highlighter. I highlight everything, stuff that don't need to be highlighted. We love that. I'm just like, yes, 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 yes. Building bridges, highlighting everything. Could not think of a better way to go out. Kia, thank you so, so much for your time. It was an absolute pleasure having you on the Volume Up podcast. We cannot wait for the Texture versus Race Summit. Cannot wait for November. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Oh, no. Don't even mention it. How do people find you? That's the big thing. Let's, before we close out the episode, where can they find you on the gram? What website should they go to? Plug, 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 plug. And then we'll, we'll let you go. Absolutely. You can find me best at Kia Artistically Neil on Instagram. You can find Texture versus Race on Instagram, The Color Culture with two Ks and a U in color culture. But TextureVersusRace.com is the holding place for all of it. If you get to TextureVersusRace.com, there's tabs to take you to every single thing that I'm doing. You can't go wrong going there as well. But I interact a lot on Instagram. My stories are much more popping than my page. So keep up with me. (laughs) Yeah, my Instagram is where I really let loose all the stuff that I want to say all the time that I don't want to fully commit to on my page or maybe not have the time. So my stories is where you can really understand who I am. Mm. All right, guys, get into it. Thank you again, Kia. See you soon. Thank you, Jeffrey. I appreciate you. All right. So, so, so much to unpack there. I mean, I'm so excited for the event and all of the things that the summit is really doing for our industry, because back up to the intro, right? We clearly need some progress forward. Sure do. Can't wait to be there. Looking forward to it. And if you are interested in going to the Texture versus Race Summit, please go to the show notes, go to thesees.com. Plenty of ways for you to access tickets. Get in there. Register. Get in there. All right. Be sure to hit subscribe, rate, and review, and follow us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and TikTok at Read the Tees and send in questions to volumeup at thetees.com. Volume Up is a Tease Media production. This episode was produced by Monica Hickey and Madeline Hickey. Brian Daly is our editor and audio engineer. Thank you to our creative team for putting together the graphics for this episode.